0: You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your
1: podcasts from. Basketball season is winding down, so you better get on the action at DraftKings quick. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when you use the code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is really easy. All you can do is pick your lineup, stay under the cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. If baseball is more your thing, you might have missed out on season-long fantasy, but now is still the time to get in on the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day, so what are you waiting for? Hit the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot and millions of dollars in total prizes. That code is THPN. And you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. See DraftKings.com for details.
2: Out of the corner Sam Bennett again to
3: Joel out front, Colburn beats it in front, off some skates, puck is loose, and score, Sam Bennett! 18-year-old Sam Bennett with his first NHL playoff goal 3-1 Calvary. Heads up the ice again, here's Bennett, Bennett, cuts in, he's in there, Bennett, scores! What a goal, Sam Bennett!
4: Bennett just lays out McKenzie. McKenzie. Here's Sam Bennett. Might he have a more plan? If he does, what a night for Sam Bennett. Four goals. Wow. It's going. Bennett's doing them hard with
3: Manson. He's knocked down Manson. Wow. the top. struck by Riddick. Stop
4: it. Saved by David Riddick. He's made a handful of beauties, and that one tops the list. To Watson Matthews. That's incredible. front short, stopped by Riddick. Rebound. Riddick stopped that too. He robbed Bozak on the rebound.
3: Riddick, a chance to win the game. Tri-Settle to try and keep it going. Riddick wins the battle. The Flames win round three of the Battle of Alberta.
4: David Riddick. Doesn't seem never does. No, he didn't. He never does. Dragulov, overtime penalty shot. Working in on Riddick. Stop by Riddick. <laughs> and is he excited or
5: what? We're uh, not able to celebrate in this league anymore, or what? So that's that's only. I I didn't I didn't want to do something wrong. I just I just celebrate and that's all. I mean, why I should change? Why why I should change myself? Uh, My personality, that's that's why I'm in the NHL. So uh, I'm not going to change anything.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast. Podcast. Okay, very exciting day. Um, Brad True Living has um, shocked us because... Typically, the guy likes to sit on his hands and do nothing. So it's um, good to see him make some moves. I think all in all, it's kind of an exciting day. I was not expecting to be excited coming out of a trade deadline because I wasn't really expecting, you know, as to get so much in return that we did. But we'll break it down today. Uh, what we got in return, who's leaving. I mean, you guys already all know who's leaving. But we're going to look at some of the new acquisitions, break them down, look at some of the prospect pools, um, just go through some of the the rapid fire, the other other trades that were made, and then obviously we'll cover the Oilers shellacking. All right, let's start off with, we got to start off with David Riddick, man. We got the news last night. I wouldn't say I was devastated. We all saw it coming.
1: Um, But it's sad it's always hits like, cause again, you talk about these guys, like, Oh, trade this guy, trade that guy. And then when it actually happens, it's always like a bit of oh, fuck. I like that guy, you know? Yeah.
0: And I mean, it's funny because some you it's, it's weird. I don't understand it. Right. Like, and maybe it speaks to this thing of like fans, not riding the waves of emotions, but the, you, you have some fans on the social media platforms, just like, what's the big deal. The guy sucked for whatever so long. She's like, yeah, but did you not develop any relation, any emotional relationship with this guy watching him? Like David Riddick, why, like, fuck.
1: Like, dude, one of the most, easily one of the most likable flames to filter through the organization, probably in like 10 years, man. Like
0: this guy took the love that the fan base had with Freddie Brathwaite and took it to a whole nother level.
1: Oh, 100%. Like, he's probably the most, like, what? Lovable goalie since Kippersoff, easily. And, yeah, yeah, he's kind of a story, like Fred Brathwaite, right? Like, he talks shit, which I love. He celebrated. He was himself. He was so, he was just so, he was such a good personality and such a good guy. He just came out of nowhere. Like no one was prepared for it, right? Yeah. And I mean, like, if you look at it, everybody's like really sad and bummed out. But I mean, if you look at his career arc, like it is a, it is a fucking awesome story. Undrafted, rises up. Like he gave the Flames three and a half really good years in my opinion. For a guy who went from undrafted to splitting, starting goaltending duties on one of the best NHL teams in the league in 2018, 2019, pretty good story. And now he's going, he's the backup on a cup contending team. So I'm happy for the guy. I am bummed to see him go. Cause again, like guys like that, guys with that much personality and guys like that, who, who have that much personality and own it. Don't come along that often. Like, I mean, there's a lot of nice guys on the team, I'm sure, but not nobody's quite like David Riddick. So it's a bummer, but I'm happy for him. And it's, it's a, his career is a good story. I just remember like, the first memory that I have
0: of Riddick, like my legit memory of like, who is this guy? Was um the road trip in New York when he did the Salt Bay after Salt the Salt Oh, dude. Yeah. Like that, that was my, that's my first, like, if I can go back and just remember the first time he really stood out. Just like that. Obviously, the stip, stick flip is a huge, huge moment. No one's ever going to forget that. That was unbelievable. Who does that? What a beauty. Like, what a beauty. Just all the post game comments and the hockey Night in Canada media like uh, interviews, um, it, you know what it's it's been it's actually been pretty sad. Like if you look at last the end of last season, uh, the off season, the whole you know, COVID and whatnot. This season, he hasn't he hasn't really got an opportunity to, to be his quirky self. The team has sucked so bad, we haven't been able to see that. How about the the celebrating. Johnny Gaudreau, before he scores,
1: that's my all-time favorite screen how about, sh- screenshot ever. How about just the celebrations? Like you know, you
0: can we should maybe clip some of these. Just like when he, you know, the team wins and he just busts it out of the crease as fast as he can to the to the to, you know the other side of the ice in the overtime.
1: Right. Stop like you want to talk. You want to talk about guys like we hear all the time from Flames man. Oh, we want guys who hate to lose. This guy hates to lose. He loves winning. Like. And he's the ultimate teammate guy, right? Like he will let in 20 goals. If the team wins 21 to 20, he would be stoked. He doesn't give a shit about his individual stats, anything. He loves winning. I love this guy. I mean, even if the, his post-game quotes were always hilarious. Um, I love when in, in the summer when Francis is
4: like,
1: don't tell me, you're the back of the marks from now. He's like, we got two all-star goalies, bitch. Like the way he interacted with the media, he was confident in a way that wasn't like disrespectful and shit. He was confident in a really funny way.
3: Yep. And it's I mean, so-
1: he, it's, yeah, he, he's one of my, he's, it's, he's one of the guys you look back and it's like, you remember during the Young Gun era where there's guys who weren't here very long, but you always will love them or the 2004 era where it's like, that guy was only here for a few years, but you love him still. That's David Riddick. Yeah.
0: And I mean, since being on this since we started this podcast, we haven't been in that situation. We haven't been in this situation as fans for a while where you're saying good- goodbye to guys to the deadline, like not since Jerome again, essentially. Yeah. We've always been either uh, middling or, or trying to acquire or standing pat Cause you believe in this group. <laughs> I mean, how many times have, did we text each other in the last 36 hours? Oh, that GM must really believe in his group. eh? look what he's adding. I love how 18-19, oh, yeah, we'll finish first in the conference. Some people are actually picking us to win this down the cup. Yeah, we're not going to add. We believe in our group. So what about all these other GMs? They don't believe or they do believe? I can't tell. Because if you're using Brad True Living as a measuring stick of what you do when you have a good team, I just
1: don't fucking know what to expect. Can you imagine Dubis just, like, not doing anything in this trade deadline instead of, like, going for it?
0: Dude, how much better did the Leafs just get in the past
1: 36 hours? Dude, they are uh, they are stacked. They
0: gave they were- up a lot for Felino, but fuck. of Playoffs, Felino is going to be a fucking monster. And he's probably going to be their, their three, third center. Like, look how much depth this team has down the middle.
1: And they add Riley Nash. They, they add more on defense. What is it, Sutton on defense? Ben Hutton, yep. Hutton on defense. Like, they right are stacked. Net,
0: like they are going for it. Dubis is trying to win a cup this year, but I can't tell if he believes in the group or not. Because if you look at what our our fucking GM does when the, when our team's actually good, and he doesn't add. I, just, I I'm just, I'm not sure. Does
1: he Does he believe in the group? He probably doesn't. That's why he's adding, right? I can never quite tell, you know, because when we're the best team, he doesn't do anything. When we suck, he doesn't do anything. So it's still, it's it's very hard. Still fucking pissed. I'm pissed off from both years because in the year you should have loaded up, you didn't. And then when the year you should have sold, you didn't like, look at what these guys are going for. What could you have got for TJ Brody at the trade deadline last year? Think about that. Dude could have got a King's ransom for that guy. Literally let him walk. Well, how about
0: (laughs) if, if not TJ Brody, how about Travis? How about Eric Gustafson?
4: How about, how, about,
1: how about, you know, Mark Jankowski, you I mean you just got a second, two seconds, essentially for Sam Bennett. You couldn't have got something like that for Mark Jankowski. Anyways, it is kind of, it's kind of been, it is the first time in a while that we've kind of been deconstructing a bit. I mean, it kind of really, for me, started with Brody. Like that one is still tough for me to swallow. Um so seeing, seeing two guys who I've loved watching for the Flames leave this year has been a that, big bummer.
0: That's who it was. I was asking before we jumped on, what was the other sad move that we saw earlier on in the season, but it was Brody.
1: Just a bummer. And yeah, I don't, I don't get the fans who are like, oh, third round pick. It's like, yeah, I'm happy we got a third round pick. It's good Look, value, yeah. good value for a guy who's not going to sign here probably. And I'm happy for the player. I'm happy too. for David Riddick. He's going to a great team. But it's still a bummer. It's a fucking huge bummer, man. Like, and that's what I always that's what I'm like least looking forward to when this team like probably like trades some big guys away. It's like the fact that they could never like it's I don't know. It's kind of goes back to me like it, I'm going way back. I'm probably way too more emotional and attached to players than I should be. Um but I always think back to like when the Boston Bruins won the Stanley Cup and and Andrew Ference's talking to Ron McLean or whoever after the game. And he's like, what are you thinking right now? And Ference is like, I'm thinking of Jerome McGinley. I'm thinking of Rhett Warner, I'm thinking of Chuck Kobasu I wish I could be feeling this with those guys. Like if we ever do have any modicum of success and this team does start to win, I'll be like, man, I sure wish guys like David Riddick and TJ Brody were here so we could experience this with those guys on the team. So I'm probably way too Boy. fucking emotional about flames players, but that's why you fall. That's why you love these guys, right? Fucking love Mighty these times. guys. Yeah.
0: That's what happens when you become you a buy fan. their jerseys. Fan favorite. I mean, Bennett, <laughs> even with all the ups and downs he's had in the last three years, Bennett's still a fan favorite because of what he's done in the playoffs for us. Totally. And I'm honestly, I'm, <laughs> I've probably never watched a Florida Panthers game for the sake of watching a Florida <laughs> Panthers play, but I'm, I'm very curious. I just want to see what it looks like in a, panthers uniform i will definitely be watching him in the playoffs i think he's one of the most exciting uh players to watch in the playoffs i i think it's unfortunate even though there will be fans in florida come playoff time
1: yeah fuck yeah
0: so that's definitely on you know adding that to my calendar because i still fucking love that guy regardless of Regardless of everything, I'm just so glad that Tree didn't trade him to um, anywhere in the Western Conference. Even yeah. though he could, he could end up, right? He could, he could end up in
1: Edmonton next season. Yeah, but, he's buddy. He's buddies with Big David. So and they're buddies. So,
0: but regardless, it's it's interesting that we're on this side of the fence because it's been a while and just a swing so quick from being. the the best team in the conference to to being a seller, like in the midst of one full regular season. I know it's been two, but
1: well, and I'm glad you played. Yeah. And even I'm glad it happened. Like it sucks, but it this is what needed to happen. And probably more things needed. It needed to happen last year, but they weren't ready to admit it. But this selling a few things needed to happen. Like, right. Even though it sucks. Yeah. So
0: this yeah. is one of those situations that, you know, as we're saying goodbye to these new players and we're saying hello to, uh, you know, some new prospect, a, a new prospect, as well as next year, next draft, a couple new ones. Whew, it's one of those situations where Brad tree living, you did absolutely nothing when you should have in eighteen nineteen. you did absolutely nothing when you should have following season. Finally, you do something when you should.
1: I wouldn't say you totally redeem yourself. But oh, and I, I see people going like, "Oh, Brad has redeemed himself." It's like, no, he hasn't. He did the fucking bare minimum, <laughs> and you did his fucking job. He You're traded a guy who asked to be traded, and a UFA go backup goalie. So let's cool it a bit on the Brad living is a god thing. Yeah,
0: although I, I'm actually pretty impressed with what he managed to get back from Florida. No, I am too. Yeah, for Bennett specifically. So let's go let's go into the trades right now and just hash out, you know, what we got in return if you're happy for it. Ritter goes to Toronto uh for 20 2022 third round pick. It's like we said, it hurts, but we're getting a third round pick in return. How do you uh measure this return?
1: I think this is great. I know everyone's like, just a third round pick? I mean the guy is a like, expi- like and Tree Living even said today, probably wasn't going to sign here.
3: Yeah, he and, said that he
0: talked to Ritter in his camp before the tread deadline to get a feel for what his plans are in the offseason to see if, you know, probably to see if how much he's willing to, you know, take for a hometown discount if he wants to stay. But based on conversations, Tree Living pretty much made it pretty clear that the, he wasn't going to be resigning here. So,
1: yeah. And it like like we said, hate to give Eric Francis... Any credit, but like he was right when he said, as soon as Markstrom signed, it's kind of like you know, writing's on the wall. No, yeah.
0: And there's I mean, no way. There's no yeah. way you're going to allocate what anywhere near eight million dollars for like if you have a starter like you do in in Jacob Markstrom and you're paying in the way much you are, then your backup must you better be paying peanuts for,
1: right? Yeah, that's so, the only. That's the really one of the only places you could save money into next year. So yeah, if um, you're looking at the goalie market as a whole. Like, Ritter should be
0: able to get upwards of 3 three mil and up, right, per, for AEV. So, there's no way we're paying 9 mil for two goaltenders.
1: Yeah, totally. Like, maybe, maybe, if the market is so dry in the off season, like, maybe Riddick and the team would consider something. But I highly doubt it, just because of the marksman factor, so... I mean, hey, I wouldn't say no. If they signed David Riddick to a one-year, like $1.5 million deal this offseason, I'd be stoked, but I don't really see that happening. Maybe, who knows? Um, But, I mean, yeah, like, the guy's a UFA, backup goalie. You're not making the playoffs. How is this not a clear win? Yeah.
0: Plus, you know, he's struggled, as the team
1: has, in the last year and a half.
0: So, it's not like, you know, you're in a situation where it's like, oh, man, this guy's been... Yeah, we can't live without him. Right. We're not, we're not really there. It's only when he plays Toronto and he's steals you games now. So it's funny that he's going there, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. Right. Given the situation in terms of you got 15 games left in a season where it's a complete write-off, like you're, you're totally irrelevant, even though we'll get into it. There's just, there's, there's a slim shred of hope left, but um, for a guy that's going to walk you, for getting a third, instead of nothing
1: like he has in the past two seasons, then I like it too. Yeah, totally. Again, like there's only 15 games left. How many of those games so is he going to play? He's going to play two or three. So I mean, Sutter's and then he's going to be made, gone. So
0: Sutter's made it apparent he's riding marks from hard. So makes sense.
1: Makes sense. Good deal. I'm glad Brad actually did it. So yeah, good deal.
0: So this is, you know, this is a, a fair value trade. And some people might say, well, you probably could have got more. Some people say, no, you probably couldn't. So that seems like more of a fair value trade. I think the unanimous agreement is that what you get back from for Sam Bennett
1: um, was pretty clear we probably win that trade. Slam dunk win for the Flames. And I mean, again, I don't mean this as like Florida's getting gypped or anything because based on what they're doing, right, like they're going for it. And they've yep. done a lot of interesting things this year. I've liked a lot of their additions. They've added guys like Wenberg, Verhage. Um, so they're counting, they're betting on Sam Bennett being a difference maker for them in the playoffs. And he has been that for the Flames the past three playoff series they've been in. So I don't want it to be like, oh, the Flames fleece the Panthers. But that's incredible value for a guy who he, he requested got more- a trade and sucks. In what
0: in what world do you
1: expect to get more in return for Sam Bennett than you do for Taylor Hall? Right? Exactly. So I think this is this is better than you could have imagined for Sam Bennett on trade deadline day, I think. A second yeah. in Emil Heineman, like who's a second round pick last year, 43rd overall. So I think this is a really good piece of work from She Living. Like, and he, say again, we will crush the guy forever. But I mean, he's been at his best when he's selling assets. He got a second and another pick for Curtis Glencross when he sold off Yuri Hoodler, Sven Berchi. He seems to do well when he's selling guys f- when he's selling. So I wish, just yep. wish he would have done it last year.
0: Plus, the drafting has been been one of the high spots too of this organization. So if you couple that with that and they get, yeah. some, good dra- get some good drafts, out oh, of this. right?
1: Like people are like, Oh, what are you going to do with a third round pick? It's like, okay, maybe select Adam, the next Adam Fox. <laughs> this team has been really good at picking up guys in the second and third round. And I mean, even if you look at their last few years in the sixth and fifth rounds, guys like Matt Phillips, Manjapani, Dustin Wolf, Dustin Wolf, like last year, a guy like Ryan Francis. They've been good at drafting the last four or five years. So the more draft capital you have, the better. And I mean, again, like, like we were saying with Riddick, like my, I hope Sam Bennett is phenomenal for the Panthers. Like, I hope he's great because yeah, like it, and that's the thing, right? Like it was never going to work here regardless. Like this team screwed up his development so much. It got off the rails so quickly that it was never going to work here. Even if Daryl Sutter's here, what is he going to toil away as a fourth liner for the next few years? he needed a change of scenery so much. Yeah.
0: 100%. I wish nothing but the best for both guys. I honestly hope David Riddick wins still down the Stanley cup and TJ oh. is down the Stanley cup this season.
1: Totally, man. And I mean, uh, say, like, I,
0: I was just saying to you, as long as Muzzin doesn't start any more shit, that really pissed me off. And I grew a hate on for the Leafs real quick. Since that's died down, I have no problem rooting for the Leafs. Um, as long pending, no other annoying shit happens.
1: Ending no other annoying shit, and their media is, well, their media will always be petulant and annoying. But I wonder what uh, uh, J.D. Bunkus has to, has to say about the Riddick trade. Does he love Riddick, or does he hate Riddick?
0: Because he's hated him until now.
1: He him now, eh? Remember last, yeah, if you have long-time listener, you'll know J.D. Bunkus has a hate on for David Riddick. I can't remember what he said about him last year, but it was something like, Big save, Dave. More like no save, Dave, or something.
0: So. Anyway, so this Emil Heineman guy, we did some digging up on him. He's playing in the Swedish Elite League right now, or I guess it's not the Elite League, is it? He's SHL, the- yep. Men's SHL, league. The men's league in Sweden, it's like I guess it's the equivalent to the KHL, which is the equivalent, but not to the NHL. But as far as uh, top league in Sweden, so he's nineteen years old um playing in the men's league there he hasn't put up big numbers in the men's league as of yet but the reason why he's playing there in such a young age is because he was putting up huge numbers in the junior leagues so um yeah anytime you get a second round pick i mean (laughs) this guy he played in world juniors did he not
1: yeah i remember from the world juniors a few years back again he's uh, he's a higher uh second round pick 43rd overall last year by the panthers um a guy that is you know, like I, I, that's a pretty nice add to your prospect pool. Like he probably is already like top twenty-five-ish in terms of prospects now added to the Flames. So yeah,
0: well, this is, yeah, this excites me, man. Like he's a mean, good
1: prospect, man. Like as far as a second rounder go, very, very good, very good. Like I would say this guy probably has NHL potential for sure.
0: Yeah, unless Florida knows something we don't, right? But um, if you were to tell me you're going to get a second round pick, just the pick for next year. For Sam Bennett, I'd be pretty damn happy. But to include a a second-round prospect in that, like you said, slam dunk.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, some of the models you'll look at, Byron Bader's model who used to work for the Flames, he has his model up on hockeyprospecting.com. He said, like, pie in the sky, upside, like, upper limit would be like a Jacob Silverberg-type player, a guy who can score, kind of play in the middle six, hardworking kind of like hard on the puck guy like that. So just a redux on Sam Bennett. Like, I mean, it, that's, what's a bummer about Sam Bennett leaving is that it closes the book on an era of flames hockey that we all thought was going to go very differently. I remember that first game he played in the 2015 playoffs when he was called up 18 years old, absolute beast scores, what three goals in that playoff year. Yeah. like, he was just a monster and it's like that year and that time frame was like so much excitement. It was like, we have Gaudreau as a rookie. You got eight. You just drafted Sam Bennett fourth overall Monahan's in his second year resurgence of geo. Like it just seemed like we were going to be led <laughs> into the future by Sam Bennett. He was going to be finally our number one center. He's going to be the next Doug Gilmore. That's what it felt like. Everybody thought that was going to be the case and it just never worked out. And it's, it's a bummer.
0: Total bummer, but just as, as it's sad story, it's happy that that we're moving on. I think it's like you said earlier, good for both sides to move on and part ways. I can't, I can't think of, I can't think of a situation where it makes sense for him to stay honestly. Oh no. At this point. Yeah, absolutely. He needed to move on. And so as, as, as sad as I am with the Rick thing, I'm actually, I feel really happy for Sam in this situation and for the team.
1: Yeah, no, I'm more so – I'm totally happy for the guy. Good get for the team. But just in retrospect, yep. fuck. You know, fuck.
0: All right, so the other addition, this is before any trades happened, was um, there's a college signing. You know, Brad loves his college signings. Loves it was those funny. college
1: boys.
0: It was, it was funny. We were kind of like, this is probably all Brad's going to end up doing, eh? Just, just one <laughs> college signing. Like <Look> what <laughs> I
1: did. It was like on the eve of the – of the Palmieri trade. And it's like the flames have signed a college player to an entry level contract. And we were like, yeah, it sounds about right. Walker Doer Is that a real name? That sounds so made up. That's like a millennial know. name. If I've ever like, a I don't, Gen I, don't Z know name, how to, bro.
0: I don't know how to pronounce this last name, but Doer. Yeah. Doer?
1: Is he a, is he a doer? He's a big boy.
0: So I don't know. It's. I mean, obviously you have to read into this. Like you said, he's a big boy. I mean, the scouting report on this is his size, basically, right? Yeah,
1: big boy. This is, like-
0: this is why they're interested in him, because he's got size. So I don't know how much this has you know, Daryl Sutter involved in the decision-making process. Obviously not just Daryl was like, I want to have this guy. But I'm sure Daryl and Brad are now looking into the future and seeing where they want to take this team in the next two years and what kind of pieces they need. Um, I don't know if, if acquiring pieces that, you know, from college are, are going to be the answer, but I don't know.
1: Well, the Flames love their college guys. Their U.S. scouting team has always been pretty active out of the NCAA. He was, I'm pretty sure he was Connor Mackey's teammate as well. So, you know, they, they like signing guys like that. Like, the comparable I've heard for Walker Dewar is he could be like a Hathaway type guy. So he's
0: 23 years old, yep. 6'3, weighs 211. Um he's playing in his fourth year at Minnesota State. So that's weird, eh? Like there's never like massive point totals in college, have you noticed?
1: Yeah, I know it's not a Why big is that? scoring league.
0: Is it just is it strictly everybody tries to play defense or like what is that?
1: It's not really like you don't play a ton of games, you know. You yeah, I don't know. Like what does he play? Got like 17 points in 28 games this year? Yeah.
0: He he's basically half a point per game average in his uh four seasons.
1: Yeah. Sounds so, about right.
3: Yeah. I in,
1: know? I mean, I'm always the more bullets you have in the chamber in terms of organizational depth, the better. Yeah. So um, this is obviously more of a AHL projection, yeah. right? He's like a yeah, I think Hathaway is a good comparable. I've seen some people throwing that one around. Big guy who can skate. And kind of plays that, you know, tough brand of hockey. He's gonna be mucking it up a bit. And he's a a doer. Yeah, he's fucking doer. Big right handed shot who's good in college. And we know the Flames like their college guys. So I think it's fine. It's like it's like adding a free draft pick, essentially, for without having a draft pick. So yeah.
0: Too bad um Washington wasn't interested in Riddick then uh Brad could have got halfway back.
1: The best conversation I had with somebody last night was somebody said, Brad's probably going to trade Michael Stone for fourth and then trade back, trade trade a third for him to get him back within (laughs) like 10 minutes.
0: (laughs) Too true. Okay, so let's go over um, amidst all this, the Calgary Flames on their website have updated some of the prospects that we all know very well. But let's look at some of their numbers. Jacob Peltier in, thir- in 28 games so far in the queue has 13 goals and 30 assists. He's got 43 points in 28 games. Beautiful. We all saw him in um, Royal Juniors. He's definitely a legit prospect. What do you think the timeline is on this guy?
1: I don't know. I mean, a guy that's that skilled. It's, it's always hard to say because everybody wants, Oh, it's next year. It's the next year. Like, I mean, I would like to see him play some, a a pro year. Um, I, I don't expect him to be in the NHL next year. Do you, I don't know. No, I I, like, that's obviously his next test. Um, but I would be, I I would probably project him to be on the heat next, next season. But the fact that there's so much weird uncertainty, which with where the Flames are going to be at, heading into next season and maybe there's a spot that opens up for him. I don't know.
0: I would imagine with, you know, Daryl Sutter liking his veterans that
1: he'll be with the heat before he's with the flames. Yeah. I'd be surprised to see him on the team next year, but you never know.
0: He was one of the guys, honestly, that coming into the world juniors, he actually surprised me with, 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 how good he was.
1: Yeah. And he's the kind of guy I think like he's very skilled, for sure. But I think he is a guy who can play up and down the lineup too, right? Like if you watch him play in the queue, he does. He can, you can, he can kill penalties, you know, he can do a lot yeah. of different things. Even on that team, Canada, he wasn't playing in, on the top two lines. Well, he was for a little bit, but yeah, I mean, he's put in a defensive
0: role too, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. So he's a guy who doesn't necessarily need to be playing purely offensive minutes to be effective. So, and he had, he's showed he's a clutch finisher too. So plus he's a yeah. fuck man i hope some of these draft picks pay off because if some of them do brad Schilling will really redeem himself in my books because like he's a smaller guy who is a pain in the ass who has some skill i really like jacob pelche a lot maybe it's a future line mate for andrew manjapani uh, a line of like manjapani dubay i wonder if they ever tried dubay at center in the future Dubey and manjapani That'd be a pain in the ass little like saw buzzsaw line, man. Totally. <laughs> All right. Jeremy uh, Poirier, the defenseman that puts up a lot
0: of point totals. And has 30. a
1: hard time playing defense. Yes. In 30 games, he has 34 points, nine goals, assists. So he's a third round pick from last year's draft. Um, I was absolutely thrilled.
0: Yeah. Cause you were, you were wanting him to pick before.
1: Yeah, for sure. I they, I wanted him when they picked Yanfu's off. His his terrible defensive game scared pretty much everybody off. And I mean, if you're going to take a swing at a guy with in the 3rd round, this is the kind of guy you do it with. Like he's got so much skill. Like I mean, he was ranked, I think he was ranked like in the top 20 in North American skaters heading into the draft. So, like he yeah. fell probably because of his issues on defense, but the dude is off to a phenomenal start this year. He can skate. He can move the puck. He's just a, he's a wizard with the puck. So if he can ever figure out his defensive game, he could be like the offensive production is just fantastic. So I think he'll be able to join the heat in two years from now. So maybe we see him in two or three years. Should be good
0: on on the power play.
1: Yeah, totally. He's a, I really like Jeremy Poirier a lot and I'm glad to see him continue to put up those massive ass numbers. So do you think a, a fair comparable would be like a, a Tyson Berry? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good comparable guy. who's like all offense, no defense. That's a really good comparable. The other one. Um, this is a name that
0: doesn't stand out as much, right? Cause we got him later on Brian Francis, but Ryan Francis is having a good season. He's got 42 points in 30 games, 13, yeah, they- 13 goals, 29
1: assists. Dude, I really like this guy. So he plays he for... plays, plays on the same team with uh Poirier, St. John, yeah. Sea Dogs. He plays in the queue. Yeah. I mean, again, fifth round pick. This is f- smaller guys, lots of skill. Fifth round pick. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm pretty sure. What is he? Is he is he top 10 in scoring in the queue right now? I think he might be. He was a little bit ago, anyways, but. Dude, he's been great. He's been great. He's putting up points at a similar rate to Pelche. I I mean I love I I don't watch a lot of junior hockey this year especially with all the shit that's going on. But I mean, dude, he's such a good skater. And again, he's going to be a work in progress in the defensive zone. But for a guy who is five nine and a fifth round draft pick, he's having a good season with the Sea Dogs or with. Uh, yeah, he's with the Sea Dogs now, right? Yeah. I'm Just looking at this now, so
0: yeah, you're pretty much right. So Jacob Peltier is eleventh in the league in scoring and Ryan Francis is 12th. So yeah. two on different teams but uh two Calgary prospects. So I like it. I love it. Like you said these these guys will be jumping they won't be jumping into the NHL. Um they'll be going through the heat first, so keep an eye out th- for that.
1: Okay. Yeah, I lo- Francis is yeah. He he was probably my favorite draft pick <laughs> over the past in the past last year's draft cuz like he's so skilled great with the puck good playmaker great off good. the rush really fun to watch so i'm really good. glad good late ha- pickup yeah i'm glad he's having a good season
0: so you're, you're uh two big names from the dub dustin wolf <sighs> listen i think everybody knows everybody you don't even have to keep tabs on dustin wolf because he's having such a phenomenal season everybody's heard about it but he's breaking records he's eight he's eight one and you no. Know, what he, he what did he set a a a franchise record, at least for first six games. Would he give a shutout for the
1: first six games or something? Dude, three shutouts in like eight games. Is that what it was? Like, jeez, unbelievable. So he's got a <laughs> one four
0: six goals against average and a nine four nine save percentage.
1: He's incredible, man. If, if
0: this guy's not legit, then I don't understand. I don't wanting, understand goaltending if he's not legit. Even though you did see him struggle obviously at the start of the year but in a weird year where it's COVID and guys are coming off not playing and it's just like i'm not reading much in depth into his ahl stint at the beginning of the year at all
1: oh no for sure not at all i mean the stockton heat aren't particularly great this year anyways i think they're even like a game below 500 right now so in his first three games to see him how many games did he play in the in that with stockton this year was it like not very many? Because he went back to the WHL pretty quick. But listen, he is easily the most exciting prospect, goaltending prospect probably the Flames have ever had. <laughs> right? Like, yep. what other goaltending prospect have you been like, oh, this guy's legit? Like Leland Irving? Brent Cron. <laughs> I don't think so.
0: Brent Cron.
1: So, like, who, honestly, who for takes, me.
0: Uh, who takes uh you know, laying it or whatever, putting up a donut, a little too literal.
1: <laughs> it's like Brent, we wanted you to get a shutout, not eat a whole pack of Krispy Kremes before the game. Jeez, dude. So yeah, Dustin Wolf, if like, he's been so good. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard not to probably hype him up more than we should. Because again, goalie, I don't know, Fuck, dude, I don't know dick all about goaltending prospects, right? Like, it's so hard to project. But, I mean, it's hard not to get stoked with this guy when he's just, like, absolutely dominating. Totally.
0: So, and then what he's eligible for World Juniors this year, he'll probably be the
1: starter, right? Um. Yeah, he, he played. Is he eligible? I, he was there this year behind. Uh, I don't know if he is eligible next year because he's 19 now. Oh, is he? Um, he played behind Spencer Knight for a few games, so
0: look good too Yeah, he anyways, was good. anyways
1: keep an eye on that
0: connor zari the other one can blazers 14 points in seven games so putting up two points per game three goals 11 assists he was also pretty cool to watch in the in the world juniors but obviously a younger guy
1: yeah and i mean really good player i i I have a hard time seeing him be in the nhl next year no so uh, yeah I, unless I would, unless
0: they're unless they go into a rebuild unless
1: they go full rebuild yeah um but the flames man do they ever need a skilled centerman to come into the lineup like that's what they need more than anything so yeah zary and- is obviously the best candidate internally to do that right now And if
0: you're Brad in the organization, I'm sure they're doing this, but they better have a solid plan for
1: developing these guys. Well, yeah, fucked up Sam Bennett already. (laughs) So, like, if you look at how Dube and Manjapani have been handled compared to how Sam Bennett was handled, do more Dube and Manjapani, less Sam Bennett. Yep.
0: So, amidst all this, like, this is why it's kind of like, okay, a lot of exciting things are happening, right? even though we're not going into a full on rebuild here, cause that's not what's happening. But when you sell off some chips, you look at kind of, now you start looking into the future. You get kind of excited with, with what you have. I'm really
1: curious about this Emilio. Is it Emilio? The Pedersen or, oh, uh, the guy that just Emil. acquired? Emilio. Emil. Should change his name to Emilio. Emilio. <laughs> we have I, an Emilio Pedersen who's pretty sweet too, so. Yeah.
0: And then, amidst all this, um, today the Flames have recalled Ruzicka. So, love it. And it's funny, we were just talking about this. Levo, is he not an upgrade on Sam Bennett in this lineup currently? So, if Levo has been the odd man out now that Sam Bennett's gone, Levo's back in the lineup, like, play off the side. Our team's better
1: now without Sam Bennett, I think. Listen, I totally, like, again, I love Sam Bennett, the person. I always loved the things that he did, like again, for as much as I'm into like tactics and analytics and stuff, I'm still a big time old school hockey fan. I love big hits. I love big fights. I love when a guy will stand up for his teammate. Sam Bennett brought all of those things, and you love him for that. But on the ice not not very good, right? So this, this season, especially this season, especially, and like I mean, he's had some rough stretches. I it's pretty much since his rookie year, or probably his sophomore year, he's not been an effective five on five player. It takes yes. way. Too- <laughs> That's why you're like, how
0: do yeah. you get more exactly in return for Sam Bennett than you do Taylor Hall?
1: Like, I'm pretty sure he has been one of the worst five on five players for the Flames in the past four seasons. So, yeah, Josh Levo is better than Sam Bennett. I honestly believe that. <laughs> So you put Levo in now, maybe you see Rizicca and maybe Matt Phillips comes up and dude, I love that. Like, I hope, I hope we see Rizicca and Phillips get some, get a good look here for sure. It's going to be, it's going to be inter-
0: interesting to see what, uh, how Sutter manages this going out to the end rest of the season, because we said this before in the past, you know, two, three podcasts that it, it, it's pretty apparent to us that Sutter is, preparing for next season. Everything you're seeing now, he doesn't give a shit about wins and losses this season. You can tell. Just look at his post-game com- comments after they lose. Like, he doesn't care. There's a, sh- there's a small shred of hope, <laughs> right? We, <laughs> It's funny, man. It's like, you lose eight of nine, and then you win one game. And everyone's there's- like, oh. Oh, look at the standings. Montreal did lose. They lost three in a row. Montreal struggling again. We got Montreal games coming up. Mon- Toronto plays Montreal tonight, so we're getting Toronto tomorrow on a second half of a back to back. We're probably going to see David Riddick because they're probably going to play Campbell.
1: Tonight. No, no. According to Eric Francis, Riddick is too fragile emotionally to play against his old team. Eric Francis,
0: <laughs> do us all a favor. I just had to throw that in there. Walk out in front of a bus. I'm not. I fu- am not asking for for you to get killed. I just just, just maimed, <laughs> please. Just I, <laughs> hit so hard in the face, mouth region, that you can't talk to us anymore.
1: Please. It's hit so hard that maybe you wake up and you're a different person and you have some good opinions. Can we like, reverse your brain damage? Can please. this loser like like you said, he gets off? Like, does he have to shit on everyone? David Riddick is out out of the door, not two seconds later. Eric Francis rolls up and takes a giant shit all over his face. Like <laughs> I turned on the radio this morning to get some trade deadline covered. First thing I hear is David Riddick. Well, or from my perspective, there's so much, so many questions about his conditioning. It's always been an issue. It's like, yeah, he was injured twice down the stretch. It's not a conditioning issue. You idiot. He was publicly injured last year and the year before. Oh, it's conditioning is an issue. And he's just too emotional for a goalie. You cannot be that emotional and be an NHL goaltender. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Shut up. Just like, dude, how?
0: Where is the off switch on this thing?
1: Like, does he ever have anything good to say about anyone ever? Or anything constructive to add to the conversation?
0: Only if it supports some dumbass hypothesis he had previously about how bad someone else was or something like that. That's it. That's the only time you ever hear it.
1: So I don't know if we're going to see Riddick tomorrow because if you haven't heard, he's really emotional and probably won't be able to handle, you know, he's not 28 years old and a professional athlete. He won't be able to handle playing his old team. We're going
0: to see David Riddick tomorrow.
1: I would be not surprised at all. And I hope we get him the win. What do you mean? We got to go sixteen and zero here. Get oh, yeah, back yeah. into it. Right, right, right. We're going sixteen and zero. If we win every single game and Montreal loses every single game, we can make the playoffs, bro.
0: Seriously though, if we sweep Montreal, which is right, a tough task. Look, we're still not out of it.
1: <laughs> well, Although, it's so. You know what's so goddamn frustrating is like if you look at it. If they'd won two games against Ottawa, they'd be right in it. Yeah. So ridiculous. Like they if, showed the stat the other night, Edmonton swept Ottawa. And that's been Edmonton, the difference in their season.
0: If Edmonton and Calgary
1: both go five and three against Ottawa, we're probably tied with Edmonton. Totally. If you pick up those two, if you pick up four points from Ottawa right now, you're two points behind the halves. Still not great. Cause they still have three games in hand, but it's a lot easier if you win. If you go four and one against them, you're ahead of them pretty much that is the difference in this, in the season is those stupid Ottawa losses. Yeah. So Derek Ryan remains a flame,
0: along with Nordstrom, Lebo, Richie, et cetera, right. All the, the one year deals. Um, what are your thoughts on Derek Ryan? It was funny because going into this, knowing who Brad tree living is and what he's done in the past, I was assuming that Ryan would be the most likely of the three to move, but.
1: The only reason I'm surprised he didn't move, and I said this before, is like he's so useful, but his salary, right? Like he, yeah. even even if you retain salary, like they did with Riddick, that's still like what on another team's books, almost 1.5, 1.6. That's tough to take on for a lot of teams. So that was my one thing with like Derek Ryan. Probably I don't know. Like I expected him to move, but I, I'm not surprised that he didn't. And uh, tree being said, they didn't. He say they tried to. They, they definitely tried. But yeah, they but they tree living, it work. He tree says living, that all the time.
0: Yeah, he says it about everything. So yeah, try. But it. he also said it was going to be a quiet deadline. So yeah. But he but they could have retained. I mean, they retained half of Riddick's contract.
1: Yeah, half of Riddick's. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, he, Ryan makes what 3.125. It's it's it would be tough to get a lot of teams to take that. I'm I am surprised though that somebody like Edmonton, and maybe they just not want to deal with Edmonton. Like Derek Ryan is was probably like is he not on the ice just as effective as Nick Felino, to be honest, like is, in terms of what he brings you on the ice, obviously the intangibles and stuff aside and the experience. No, but I mean, Derek Ryan is one of the best when Derek Ryan's on the ice, your team's going to be pushing the puck up the ice. So I I'm a little surprised that they weren't able to move him out just based on like some of the other guys that move, right? Like I I'm just a little surprised that a guy who is so useful and so good. And I've waxed poetic about Derek Ryan's skill set many times. I'm just a little surprised he, there was no takers for him, but I understand it just because of the money factor.
0: Well, that, and he is kind of soft. I mean, if you're, if you're looking at, um, you know, analytically speaking, his game is really clean and he's skilled and he's smart, but if you're, if you're in the playoffs and everything's tightened up and there's a battle in front of the net for, you know, a game breaking set up a goal or a score goal, and it's Derek Ryan or Nick Foligno. I'm sorry, there's no comparison.
1: Yeah, but like, I mean, like a team like the Oilers couldn't use them, and I guess maybe you're not dealing with them, but I'm not dealing with them. I'm not even picking up the phone. You know, Brad, try. He probably made the rounds. You know? If
0: if I'm Brad True Living, and I have a I have a special, you know, George Costanza voicemail uh, recorded just for when the Oilers give me a call. Believe it or
1: not. I'm honestly surprised Edmonton is not in the office. I know they made the few moves, but like, what the, what are they doing? They have a chance to go for it this year. Like, there's a, like, you'll have to beat Toronto, but like, Dude, how often, I how often the Oilers in a situation to like, be atop the division? Not very often. I'm surprised they didn't go for it.
0: I want to see an Oilers uh, Toronto series so bad. This Dude, is like, I, I'm going to be actually... I want I to see the
1: Leafs sweep I the usually, Oilers.
0: I usually don't watch uh, playoff series, you know, fully outside of the Flames, unless maybe the first round. I tune in quite a bit. Yeah, but I'm pretty intrigued with this Canadian division for
1: playoffs. Yeah, I, I'm I'm most intrigued to see how the Leafs, how good the Leafs will be, because yeah. I think they should cruise. But who knows? It's the Leafs. They seem to have a problem choking, but. Man, I all I want to see is the Oilers get bitch slapped. That's it. That's all I want.
0: Yep, that's all I care about.
1: Yeah. I, honestly, I don't. My only when the Flames aren't in it, the only thing I'm concerned about is like, okay, when are the Oilers eliminated? Okay, good.
0: Yep. Now I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So the other two main things that we want to touch on, as far as the Calgary Flames are concerned, um, at first, I I don't know if it was just me. But at first glance, I'm like, oh, shit, they're getting the 2021 draft picks. But both draft picks, both second rounds or the second round and the third round they got for Sam Bennett and Dier Riddick are for the 2022. So next year's draft, because I know there's been a lot of speculation, a lot of people complaining like, oh, fuck, you know, this this year's draft class, nobody's been playing. Nobody knows who where the people are should be ranked, blah, blah, blah. It's a bad draft, yada, yada. So I think that's, you know, probably a better thing that, we're trading for next year's draft.
1: Oh, totally. Like, let's hope that by then, who the, who knows? Well, let's
0: hope by then we're allowed to go eat at a fucking restaurant. Let's
1: hope we can go watch hockey games, you know? Let's hope we can point. go
0: hang out at a fucking friend's
1: house. I mean, everyone's going to be... Everybody's going to be driven insane if by then we're still not at hockey games or, you know, allowed to leave the house. So let's hope by 2022 draft... There's an in-person draft, Um, but I think this is great. It's you you have to do that, right? Like if it was this year's draft, I wouldn't be as impressed with the return. So if you look at what the flames have for the 2022 draft, they have one first round pick that Brad hasn't traded yet. Two second round picks, two third round picks, fourth, fifth, seventh. So that's pretty good.
0: Let's hope that uh, next year is a beast of a draft. Last and year the, was good.
1: Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, that's what's so dumb about the Flames trading all these goddamn draft picks is they have been pretty good at drafting under the Bradstreet Living regime. And I know somebody tweeted out the other day as, like, only two teams have had, le- have had less cumulative draft picks since Bradstreet Living took over the Flames than the Flames. Mm, so, gee, do you think they're any good? The Tampa wonder, Bay Lightning, who have a are, scary, they, t- are they struggling to make the playoffs like us for the last two seasons? The Tampa Bay lightning. Oh, who who won a Stanley cup. If you remember, and made the Stanley cup final, they've given up more draft. They've picked less than us, meaning they've traded more picks away.
0: Oh, so they've actually had some success to show for it.
1: Yeah. They haven't been trading their picks for guys like Travis Hamannick and Brian Elliott and Curtis Lazar. Um, and then the other team is the Pittsburgh penguins who, you know, have only won two Stanley cups in that time. So (laughs) they need to be picking more. So good. This is good.
0: Good. And then um, Brad touched on this today too, the expansion draft. And I like hearing this because we always talk about this. You got to have your serial killer room set up where you have the strings to every possible scenario. If you're a GM and especially if you're Brad, you living, you have to be thinking every little decision you make, you have to be also thinking about the expansion draft coming up. And based on what he said today, he has been. Did you hear what he had to say about that?
1: He yeah. said, which we probably all assumed, which was they're probably going to go with a seven-three-one.
0: Yeah, and he also said that if if you're bringing any guys right now, yep, um, then not only are you risking, you're risking double, right? Like, then totally. that that guy might get picked. So definitely, a lot of his decision making, he's preparing himself for the expansion drafts.
1: Yeah, like if you swap Sam Bennett with somebody else you got to protect them or possibly lose them in the expansion draft. So get futures. You're good.
0: So I don't know, you know, with, with all things said today was a blip on
1: Brad, livings chart where he spiked up a bit. He did some good things today. He did some good work. And I mean, that's what we've been so frustrated with. It's not even that it's like, your moves have been dumb. It's like, you haven't made any moves. Just do something. (laughs) Have a plan, bro. Do something that moves your team. Forward
0: some way, so, anyways, if you're looking at the expansion draft, yeah, like you said, he's gonna go seven, three, and one. Obviously, with, with Riddick gone, I mean, I don't know, would Seattle
1: have taken Riddick? We don't know, especially if he's a UFA, UFA, anyways. Yeah, I would have been like it. I said this when we did our expansion draft preview in the summer or in the fall. I don't know when time, I don't know how to reference time anymore. Um there's just way too many other goalies available for them to take David Riddick. So. Yeah. But now with Sam Bennett
0: gone, it's like, if, if you have seven fours to protect, you got Chucky Lindholm, Johnny, you got Manji probably Monty and Dubé. And then you got Backlund. I mean, as long as Lucic waves, his no movement clause, which I don't see why he wouldn't like you, you don't care. You're not going to protect Nordstrom, Lucic, Leo Ritchie. So your forwards are all covered. Then the only, the only decision left to make because you can protect three D-men. You're going to protect Noah Hannafin. You're going to protect Rasmus Anderson. you got to pick between Gio and Tanev. And that's probably what it's going to come down to, right? Seattle is probably going to end up taking either Gio or Tanev. One thing that he said also was interesting was accumulating all these draft picks said it helped him at the,
1: for the expansion draft too. Sure. So, totally. so I don't know,
0: I don't know um,
1: what he means by that. Well, he could mean a couple of things. Maybe you try to acquire a guy that another team is selling at a discount because they're going to lose him for nothing, right? Yep. Um, It could also mean, like, if you're making any side deals, like, okay, we're going to expose this guy, but you can't take him. Here's a pick. I hope they don't get involved in any of that shit, you know? Because that's a mistake I think a lot of GMs made last time is, like, they're trying to play 4D chess when it's like, you're going to lose somebody in this yeah. Don't, well,
0: he did, don't he get did,
1: carried away making side deals and end up losing more.
0: Yeah. But he did say that as well, that he says, look, you lose a player. I just think it's it's obvious what you do. You protect – well, do you want them to pick Tana? Brad wouldn't. I mean, if you're looking at the risk of Tanev's contract
1: the next – is he, is he three or four years? He's got three more after this. So he's got three more after
0: this. I mean, he's been our best player, but –
1: yeah, like, it's weird. Like, I don't know. I honestly, like, at the beginning of the season, I would have said, absolutely, there's no way this team will will expose Mark Giordano. Just from what I know about the team, and I know how much the organization values the stuff outside of the rink, you know, like, they're loyal. With the shit show we've seen this season, has that changed your opinion? A little bit.
0: Me too. Like, I think the only way to move forward is you protect – if you want both Gio and Tanav, then you expose Gio. because I think there's way less, up, way less chance of Seattle selecting Gio than Tanev. Do you Will they go for Gio?
1: Yeah. See, that's that's where I'm at too. Is like I don't even think it's that you need to protect Tanef so much because that was kind of my hypothesis. And I, you know what? I bet if you ask Brad straight up, lie detector, truth serum, he, he didn't expect the season to go off this off the rails. I'm sure he was. I think his. Signing his overpayment of Chris Tanev might have also been influenced by the fact that we're going to expose him and probably lose him in the expansion draft, and we'll get out of the contract that way. That's kind of been my hypothesis from oh, the get go. Come on,
0: man! You're going to give him that much? You're going to give him that much credit for that much brains to think that much? in advance? Maybe.
1: I mean, this I would milk, hope so. This is milk and soup we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, listen. If I was a GM, and I, I maybe I'm just trying to overexplain for his stupidity. But you got to remember, too, like, I see people like, oh, t- it's Tanev, slam dunk. But I mean, I'm still leery of Chris Tanev's value over the next three years. He's having a fucking great season. And, well, and it's a shortened one. And it's like, yeah, it's shortened. Like, I'm just so still that's, worried. That's,
0: that's less mileage if you're looking at, you know, the length of the contract.
1: I'm just still worried that he that deal is going to look bad next year and the next year. So it's like. I just think people are blowing it out of proportion when it's like Giordano absolutely is the guy you expose when it's like, well, you could also maybe get rid of the Tanev contract, you know? So I don't know. Like, would you rather have, let's say this goes the way that maybe I was expecting it to go. And Chris Tanev also falls off a cliff next year. What's worse having Chris Tanev play like he did last year in Vancouver, which is terrible and have him on the books for three years at four and a half or have Mark Giordano on the books for one more year. I don't know. It's a calculus that they'll have to do their due diligence on, but I do think it is leaning more towards, yeah, maybe we do expose Geo.
0: Yeah. And then if they don't want either Geo or Tana,
1: then like we said at the start of the season, they're probably going with Shillington. Yeah, I still would. If if I'm in Seattle and... <laughs> it, again, maybe, maybe
0: this is me um, doing the same thing you were doing, talking about how how smart a smart brash living isn't but imagine if he was it's like that's why they have been playing
1: shillington all season is to protect him from yeah so they just you know <laughs> they they don't want seattle i hope that's the case because otherwise there's no goddamn excuse listen if it all things being equal no way they're picking michael stone eh
3: <laughs> you imagine
1: like I'm, I am honestly, usually I have strong opinions one way or the other. I don't know how to read this Giordano expansion draft situation because like I just said, part of me is like, well, it's not that big a deal. I think people are making too big of a deal of if you expose Tanif. because again, he's been awesome this year, but in all likelihood, this is the best he's going to be for us over this duration of the contract. I hope I'm wrong about that, but it's not like you're losing Rasmus Anderson or Noah Hannifin or somebody young and upcoming who's just finally hitting their prime here. It's Chris Tanov at age thirty-one, who's like a cyborg at this point. Um, so all things considered, I I wouldn't He surprised. is the next Geo, dude. Yeah, maybe. I maybe he's got G, maybe he's on Geo's secret sauce. I mean, all things considered, the smartest thing to do would be to expose Mark Giordano. If you're looking at a pure organizational asset management, you know, hockey operations. Right. Because if
0: Seattle takes them, I think you're fine with it.
1: If Seattle takes them, it's a guy who's making almost seven mil off your books for the last year of his contract. Like where, how else, how else could you spend seven mil? And a guy who's declined, who has fallen off a cliff this year. And they're going to be 38.
0: And I mean, that's a big risk for Seattle. Like I think it's a way safer exposure. If you want to keep both geo and Tanov yeah. that you expose, if you want both, I would say expose geo, there's less of a risk of them taking. So
1: yeah, exactly. It's going to come down to if they have the, if they have the desire to, like, is that going to piss Geo off? Do you talk to geo before you do that? Maybe. Oh, he talks to everybody. So, so that's the, my only reservation is I know how this organization does business. I know that they would, again, before the shit show that is this season happened, I would have seen no way in hell they're exposing their captain who's been a lifelong flame. But now that all the shit has gone down and, you know, maybe G, maybe even Gio, I don't think Gio would want to leave considering everything. So it's a really interesting discussion point.
0: Yeah, the last thing Gio wants or needs is a fresh start somewhere.
1: (laughs) Right? And I mean, like, uh, right with all this COVID shit going on too, like, this is probably one of, because everyone's like, oh, Gio, do you want to go chase a cop? Like, I mean, if there was ever a time for any of these guys not to want to leave, it's like right now when it's like, a pandemic, you wouldn't be able to see your fit. Like, if this shit continues into next year, which who knows, like, is he going to uproot his family who've lived here for 10 years? I don't know if we're, if we're out
0: of it next season i i would assume he will want to take one stab at winning a cup somewhere and then
1: he'll retire i wouldn't i wouldn't be i don't know man i'm i I'm, i'd be surprised so i do don't know either way i i don't think it's that big of a deal to be honest but, but i am really if, curious
0: if you're seattle though from their perspective right and the flames um
3: they they don't protect geo you're probably taking tanoff
0: Do you pick them? No, the Flames don't protect. Oh, Geo. oh yeah, hey. they leave Geo unprotected. Are you taking them, or are you going to go with Shillington for seven mil? I mean, they're probably going to have lots of money, to, right?
1: You're going to have tons of money. That's a really hard question for for me, like because it it really depends on their on what they probably get elsewhere. Because all things being equal, I would take Shillington. Yeah, but if they, what if they? all their guys their defensive and they've picked previously are younger developing guys. And they want like a veteran guy. I don't know. So and maybe this is
0: where Brad, that whole thing comes in. And well, we got draft picks. I'm going to yeah, have a conversation
1: with we'll we'll give you Francis, fourth. right? Yeah. Ron Francis. Um, so, and if
0: other on the other foot, if, if you're Seattle and the flame exposed Tanev, I think that's a slam dunk. You're taking it probably. So maybe that helps make your decision, right? Yeah. The other question, right, is given Anderson's season, is there any way in hell that you expose him? No, Probably. he's still – how old is he? He's 23? No way. Yeah, especially with – I don't know. Geo's the obvious one for me. Because yeah. I, I think he's the biggest risk on the other end, and he's even a risk for you. So if they want to go on and take that risk off your hands, yeah, that makes sense for me because I still don't think they'll go with him. I think they'll go with – um Shillington.
1: It makes total sense, but then my only like yeah, but is the way is how this organization does business. So it's gonna be telling, man. We'll see.
3: Okay, that's if
1: you rap- me, I'm exposing Geo, even though I love the guy. Yeah, same with me. Okay,
0: let's rapid fire the other trades. Uh we talked about fleeno already. I think he's a fleeno's a beast, and I think listen. There's two seasons, regular season and playoffs. He is the type of guy that helps you win the playoffs, right? You're getting getting a captain from the Columbus Blue Jackets who help you, you know, defeat the the Lightning.
1: Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. He was there when they beat the Lightning. He was there when the Blue Jackets beat the Leafs last year. Like, if you put any stock into this, you need guys who know how to win in the playoffs thing. Like, he's kind of really what the Leafs need to get over the hump, maybe. He's a beast. He knows how to
0: score big-time goals.
1: Yeah. Hall so to I, the Bruins. I like that deal.
0: Hall to the Bruins with Lazar. <laughs> <laughs> I I, you know what? Through all this, man, I've grown to have a little bit of a soft spot for Hall.
1: Dude, I've always loved Taylor Hall ever since he went. That's why I've always said, no, you've said it. Who's said it? Like this guy won a heart trophy out of spite for the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. That's, that's why I'd always want to see him in a flames Jersey, just because a guy who hates the Oilers that much deserves to play in Calgary.
0: 100%. (laughs) He said he wants to play there for a couple seasons. I'm sure he would like, look, he just said, I just want to be on a team that's winning (laughs) the poor guy. And even Lazar was throwing shade at the Sabres. I don't, can't remember fully, what it said, but the second half of it was um, I can't
1: wait to stick it to my old team. Dude, like, has Taylor Hall been through the ringer? Like, who are the f- worst franchises in the NHL? Edmonton. New Jersey. Phoenix. Arizona. I was going to say Phoenix almost. Buffalo. Like, that is some kind of resume, dude. That's rank. That's dank. Not That's good so way. bad.
0: Okay, so, and Lazar, your buddy, our buddy, our old buddy. The guy, just- we
1: tr- guy we traded for second round pick, who's now Alex Formanton, who's a really good prospect. Watch Lazar uh, put up more points in Hall. (laughs) Well, he's already got more goals. Dude, Hall to the Bruins. I'm excited for this. I love that shit. The Bruins. This excites me. That's awesome.
0: Like, all of a sudden, I'm more interested in some of these teams now. No, totally. The East is going to be bonkers. Montreal picks up Gustafson. He's, look, he is what he is. Not very good defensively, but really good on the power play. The
1: thing is, I don't understand. Is like they let Mede go, who's great, and then they pick up Gus. The fuck are you doing? I don't know,
0: man. Montreal. I don't really like what they've been
1: doing, to be honest.
0: Other than they, because Anderson is is starting to to fade right out. Um, to Foley was still a strong pickup. We'll see how Anderson does in the playoffs.
1: I mean, that's they gonna have been be the all factor. over the place. Yeah, that's the thing. Really, it's like, what are you doing? Like, what is cohesive about this? It's like, again, you like some of what they did. You like the you like the To yeah. pickup. And you
0: fire your head coach while you're in a playoff spot.
1: And you're the best five-on-five team in the league, and you fire your head coach. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't see them. lot. Like Again, like, maybe we – let's catch these bitches, shall we?
0: Honestly, man, I don't see – they're not playing strong right now. And if the Leafs can beat them tonight, and we well, beat the Gallagher's Leafs tomorrow,
1: Gallagher's, hurt. Gallagher's out. Their goaltending is a bit of a shit show. We're starting to play good. We'll get to our game
0: here real, real quick, but – Get on one of those 10 game I'm, heaters. I'm, I hate this. I hate I'm, it too. I'm not. <laughs> I'm back in.
1: It's like. The season. It's, fuck you. It's like something that I'm like. I'm back in, baby. I will say there's no way, but I'm going to be watching tomorrow with that in the back of my mind. <laughs> what is wrong with us? If they oh, win tomorrow, man. I'm going to be like, I'll still be saying there's no way, but I'll be thinking maybe. So stupid. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So I, I don't, and really I'll be getting, keeping
0: tabs on the, on the Montreal game tonight yeah. as we're recording. I mean, I do way. not get what Montreal's doing at all. So Jamie Ben goes to the jets. I think this is a good pickup for the jets to be honest. Well, you and know the what? Jets, the jets right now, what they're looking like, they're the sleeper out of the, out of the Canadian division here. Well, the Are thing with the
1: J- I don't understand why the jets didn't pick up somebody like Mede or go get another defenseman. Like they couldn't even use a guy from like, like, they, they need a defense so bad. And it's like, well, just, Jordy Ben, okay. But, I mean, like, geez. The way that the waivers work, I think Ottawa gets gets first pick over. Yeah, that's over true. Many, I mean, right? they could have traded for him, no? I don't know. Well, maybe, just, yeah. There's so many D-men on the market. Like, they could have – they need a defenseman so bad, and I don't know. Obviously, I love their offense and their goaltending, but I can't see them lasting too long in a series against the Leafs or Oilers with that defense. So, did I mean, if Jamie... the Flames can beat them. Yeah. Did I say Jamie Ben? Yeah, you did. Jordy. Yeah,
0: that's, yeah. Let's make sure that's clear. Jordy, Jordy Ben, ben from, the, from the Canucks goes to the Jets. Um Edmonton picks up Kulikov.
1: Yeah, like, why didn't the but Jets telling, pick up Kulikov? He's telling me this doesn't
0: make them better, right? It's not what I want to hear.
1: I don't know. I don't mind Kulikov. Like, I don't think it's really what ailed the Oilers. What what is, a, he, is he stronger defensively or offensively? Yeah, he's like a defense-first guy, so. Stick he's him so, with Larson, eh?
0: he's There's, That's what they'll do to try and shut down our, our new uh, top line now, eh? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Larson and Kulikov? I, probably, I don't mind this probably, the Oilers. St- they'll probably stick him with... Um, what's Tyson Berry? Yeah. <laughs> Tyson Barry. Oh man, I hope the oilers overpay him so much. Oh man, please overpay him. Please you know they're, you know they're going to,
0: And then this one ruffled uh, a lot of feathers in terms of what the hell are you doing? But Mantha goes to Washington for Verana, Ponic, and a first and Dude. a second.
1: Like this is what is Washington doing? Like, is Mantha this good? Dude, I love Manta, but Verana's just as good in my opinion. And they got a first and a second. And I mean, Richard panic is just for salary, but he's a pretty good player too. Like Steve Iserman, like, holy shit, dude, the, the Red Wings are going to be an absolute force in like two or years, two or three years. Like that's a, that's a phenomenal trade. And again, I like the player for Washington. I think Mantha is a very good player, but I mean, geez, you get Jacob Verano who has very similar numbers and, and a first, and a second? Like, come on. Unbelievable piece of work by Stevie Y.
0: All this does is confirm that, look, look at what Sackick's done for the Avs. Look at what Eiserman's done for... Tampa Red, and the Red Wings. And the Red Wings. Jerome McGinley. <sighs> Figure it out, bud. Iggy. Take, Iggy. Your, take your uh, hockey, whatever, GM course. whatever. You yeah. Speed up the process, bud. We need you up there. Dude, we need him so bad. Okay, the uh, the Flames absolutely shit can the Oilers, everybody. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> what an awesome fucking game that was to watch, eh? So the first period, um, it's kind of back and forth. Marks remains to go and saves. I don't know, the, the, the first period is pretty evenly played, I thought. But then the second the second period, the floodgates open right up. And you, you already start to see the dividends pay with split-up Johnny and Monty. Johnny or Sean Monahan gets the first goal, which ends up being the game-winning goal, which puts him solely in third place in the franchise history of game the most game-winning goals ever scored by a Calgary Flame, only behind Jerome McGinley, Theron Flory.
1: Who who did he pass again? Was that what was his name? I don't remember. He's, oh, yeah. Joe Newendike, the Hall oh, of Famer. Oh, oh it's Joe Newendike?
0: Oh, hey.
1: right, that guy. Those guys are all probably pretty lazy eh, and don't care. And well, it's like somebody said, not bad for the laziest, biggest piece of shit who's ever played for the Calgary Flames. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he's had a
0: rough, rough season. But um, he's also been an unbelievable player for us. so
1: Yeah, and dude, it's so funny to me that it's like, oh, they've tried everything with Gaudreau and Monahan. They've tried everything. This team sucks. The last... Have you
0: tried...
1: Literally on the fan. They've tried it all. Now all they have to do left is sit them, put them in the press box, trade them. Everyone with half a brain is like, well, have you tried splitting up Gaudreau and Monahan at all over the past 28 years? They
0: I love how um, Sutter has just loaded up that top line. Um, the second line looked good. I The mean, second line looked great. This goal that they scored, right? Sean Monahan breaks it out. A half breakaway pass up to Dubé, driving the net. And then it comes back up to Monge. And Monge, dude, sells the shot. Mike Smith, he's out of position to begin with, always anyways. But fuck, he bit hard on that. And then Monty, wide open.
1: Half dude, clapper,
0: Yeah, oh, dude, just release that thing instantly. Here is a dart right in the back of the net. Fuck
1: well, and I I honestly love how those because again for all the talk about how and again I agree with the fact that Gaudreau has kind of drugged Monahan along. Um, but for all the talk about how like Monahan does nothing, well, I mean the dude can score goals, and if he has two guys like those two guys are buzzsaws. They go get the puck and give it to him. Yeah, and that's that's a, what, good, that's a good parent. That's a good threesome.
0: Threesome. That's, trio. Yeah. That's a good way to to put it, the buzz sauce. I mean, here here's what Daryl Sutter had to say about that line.
4: You you said last night that you really liked the way that Sean played between Dylan and and man. What uh, what did you like about how those two complemented Sean Monaghan last night?
5: Uh, they both get on loose pucks and they both manage the puck pretty good and they both have good speed and, and go in a straight pretty much a straight line which which Sean when he's got the puck likes to see those he likes to see where his receivers are and they also dig a lot of pucks out and, and allow him to shoot, which is which is one of his strengths. So uh, I thought they complemented each other well last night.
4: And you also talked about Monaghan kind of doing everything that you've asked of him since you got here. Can you expand on that nice. a little bit more and, and what you've seen in terms of his growth since you arrived?
5: I think his Work ethic has been right at the top of our team, which is really important. Um, which I think is l- lacking in the Word. group. In the group, to be quite <laughs> honest, I think his practice habits have been outstanding, which allows him to be a better player during games. I think uh, you know to to show confidence in him by uh, you know playing using him on penalty killing a little bit. I think has helped him understand that he can be a a really good all-around player and still, and still make a good contribution to the team. It's not necessarily always has to be based on goals and assists for somebody like that. I think that uh, going forward, he's, he's a guy that you can tell is willing to accept a role and, and want to play on a good hockey team.
0: I just love the analysis that we're getting from Darrell Sutter. And we've talked about this, but every time you're flip-flopping – as soon as you start hearing what he has to say after games, it's like you brings you right back in check. like this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. He knows what he's seeing. His analysis is right on point, and what a fresh take about Sean Monahan.
1: Yeah, and I totally agree. And like he even said something else is like Francis was like going off about the line combos, and he said Sean Monahan has done everything I've asked him to do since I got here. Um, I've I yeah like. <laughs> I think we just have PTSD with our coaches being so stupid that it's like, as soon as something goes wrong, it's like, ah, shit, the coach doesn't know what they're doing. But then Daryl comes out and assesses the situation perfectly. And it's like, oh yeah, it's a good point. It's like, oh yeah, this guy's an NHL coach. No, I think that
3: was, I think
1: that was spot on. And I think what's interesting is that from my perspective, that the Monaghan Dubé line, Manjipani line was great. And I, Five on five, at least, the mon the Chuck Lindholm line wasn't that great. And I'm a little surprised about that.
0: Well, Chucky took a bit to get going. And then he was gone for a bit with the injury.
1: But I think I think that line's gonna be good, dude. Oh, I do too. I th- I think they will be great. But it was just nice to see because I think most people were worried about the Monaghan line. Like, oh, great, Sean Monaghan's gonna just be like useless without draw and they looked pretty good five on five and dominated a lot of the play
0: well and i like how it's like you know with past past coaches like ward it's kind of like well we haven't tried this so let's throw these three together yeah
1: it's just a random configuration there's no strategy behind it
0: and then you listen to sutter and it's like okay hey, this is why this line works
1: yeah so this yeah. is why these guys work with sean this is why we put them all together like it's like yeah
0: Noah Hanifin comes down, sets up Johnny Gaudreau. What a sweet pass. Dude, how many chances is Noah Hanifin getting? With his, This guy needs to learn how to bury the puck or raise it. Like, start picking the top corners. The guy every, cannot
1: shoot, period. Every, End of story.
0: Like, If he had a shot like Tyson Berry, yeah. he'd have, like, at least 12 goals this season because the amount of opportunities he's getting walking down to the slot uncontested because he's getting set up, he can find the ice. Like, stop going five-hole. Shooting low every single time. Start picking top corners, bud.
1: Shooting right at the old crest.
0: That old crest shot probably not going to go in very often, unless it's Mike Smith.
1: <laughs> dude, Mike smith special too. Yeah. The, the Again, that's five. how you. That's three. what I was like. We were talking about when the last time i played the Oilers. That's how you beat Mike Smith. Cross ice and shoot high. Gonna, and you know, shoot, you're, five, you're, you're five, shoot hole. five hole. The five hole has its own gravitational pull. It's unreal.
3: So that shot from Johnny Gaudreau, Whew.
0: beautiful. And it's funny you split up Johnny Monty for the first time ever, and they both have five-on-five five goals. Something well, you can't, something that you have nothing to show for this year, five-on-five.
1: Five. That shot and that goal by Gaudreau kind of speaks to something I was talking about. Uh, we were talking pre-game, and I was saying like an underrated aspect of Gaudreau's game that I think will benefit from playing with it. I know Kachuk didn't set him up. But when he's on the ice with guys who can make plays is that he can snipe. He doesn't have a hard shot. He doesn't have a necessarily quick shot, but he can snipe with the best of them. His shooting percentage is always pretty high. He's a good sniper. So I think putting him in a position where he, where he doesn't just have to make plays all the time is going to facilitate more offense as well.
0: The third goal from Lindholm is on the power play. Finally, we see a new look on the power play. At least I, I know they started doing this in the first half of the game. I'm not, I'm not sure that they stuck through it the whole time, but Sean Monahan was was on PP two, which they were starting. Yeah. With. They split it up. It looked dangerous. I love that, you know, splitting that up, putting him there, and he's kind of the trigger guy now. And then on the PP one, which was pp two, but PP one, you have Johnny back on the off wing, like fuck, finally. <laughs> and then what does Johnny do? Finds the last home in the slot. I think like. You know, another, the rest of the half of the goalies in the league that doesn't go in because they don't have the <laughs> five-hole the size of the Grand Canyon, but
1: Lindholm snipes. Again, that's, really why awesome. it's, that's why I've never understood, like, and where was Lindholm? Right. In a one-time position. One-time position. How many fucking times have fuck. you seen? Like, fuck.
0: All you have to do is watch hockey throughout the rest of the league and see what everybody else does and what works. Like, how many teams... Set up power plays that don't have one-time options. I don't get it. It's fucking stupid.
1: Geo. <laughs> do you have anything else you want to fucking go off on the power play? No, I fu- I'm so glad they're actually... I don't... Obviously, I don't love the 2D on the top unit. But I do love that Monaghan's the trigger guy in unit. you got to think that this is Sutter influence, no?
0: Like, oh, totally, to
1: 100%. He's probably like, look, idiot.
0: We're making some changes to the power play. We're going to put guys in their fucking one-time spots.
1: So stupid. How many between the legs have you seen from Chucky since Sutter took over, by the way, either? Oh, yeah, I'm really missing those.
0: <laughs> I know you are, too, eh?
1: Yeah.
0: You're really missing them.
1: Dude, I love when Gio... That was a Jerome Ginla goal, too, eh? He would lift the leg. Yep, push him just... down the. I don't oh, know yeah. why, but fucking Gio cracks me up whenever he's just like... I don't know why, you know, he's just like pinching all the time. He's always at a breath, just fucking flying out there, just all over the place. You know,
0: we're We've said this in the past where we need just an ISO mic. We need a GoPro on fucking Mark Giordano.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> How fucking great would that be, dude? Just to fucking watch his face the whole game. <laughs> Every time they zoom in on his face, man, it's just like, like you said, looks like he's about to die. He can't
1: breathe. His face is all red and like... He's just out there the next shift. Just fucking going for it. Like, dude, just burst down that left wing boards and just rifled it five hole. How do you score five hole from the left wing boards off the rush? Oh, my Lord. The only way you do it is if Mike Smith's in net.
3: That was a treat.
1: That was a treat for me to see Mike Smith get lit up, I gotta say. Okay, sure. If that was a treat...
0: (laughs) Then Brett Ritchie... (laughs) Coming down with a spin around on the half <laughs> boards, backhand five hole. What was that? Oh my lord! if if, if uh, Giordano was a treat, like what is this? This is like a deep fried Sunday.
1: This is one of those stampede things you get that shouldn't even exist. It's so delicious and deadly. Like you literally need to work out it while you're eating it. And that's the Mike Smith I remember. And the other thing is too, what a dick! Like, did you see him? Was it on the? What goal was it? Not the Lindholm goal. I think it was the John. No, no. It was, <laughs> it was the Monty was- goal. He's pissed at his defenseman. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's yep. yelling at him and like screaming. Like, what a dick. Like, and he would remember he would always do that. It's like if a goal and he'd stare his own defenseman down in Calgary, just like yell at everybody.
0: Such Throw a him dick. under the bus under the game. <laughs> totally.
1: It's like after the game. Like, I remember one specific game. Remember he was like, oh, my defense sucked. Yeah. What Fuck. It's
4: so funny how
0: it's pretty unanimous throughout the fan base. We don't like Mike Smith.
1: It's like, how do you hate somebody so quick? Especially when, if you look at it, he was awesome the first year he was here.
0: He was amazing. And then he was so bad the second season, but he was
1: great in the playoffs. Yeah, we all fucking hate him.
0: (laughs) It's because he's on the Oilers, probably.
1: No, like I think the hatred here's where the hatred takes an extra step is that he fucked up Jerome McGinley retirement night. That's what that's where it really cemented Mike Smith's legacy as a hated Calgary flame, because this idiot, do you remember the two goals he let in? I was there. He comes wandering out of his goddamn net, gives the puck away. And then he let in another goal from the blue line five hole. So that's why. Everybody unanimously are all in agreement that we hate Mike Smith.
0: So that was beautiful to watch. And it's funny because I texted you before the game, like, kid, this has gotta be it. This is where the Mike Smith starts to crumble. (laughs) I just hope that this is the beginning of the end for Mike Smith. It's funny though, because I bet you now they're gonna go with cost and he'll be good for a bit. But in the end, playoffs, goaltending is gonna
1: come back and haunt them, dude. Dude, especially if you're playing the leafs or even oh, the jets like the jets will light mike smith up yeah
0: even even the the Habs because they're so good five on five
1: yeah
0: right they're just going to generate enough chances where they're going to get those fucking league goals are going to go in
1: well what happened last year against you forget they lost in the qualifying round to the blackhawks they got their asses because their goal sucked
2: NHL great mental health advocate and member of the Same Here Alliance, Theo Fleury.
4: This is 20-year professional sports executive, mental health advocate, and founder of the hashtag Same Here Global Mental Health Movement, Eric Cusin.
3: This is Darren Ravel, sports business insider, mental health advocate, and founder of the Same Here Influencer Alliance.
2: We're so afraid as a society to rip the Band-Aid off the topic in a real way Anytime you open up about something that's controversial or taboo, the first one through the wall always gets bloodied.
4: And that's why we're doing this. We don't mind being the ones getting bloodied. We put our stories out there well before it was a thing to do for a reason. Because as much as they're extreme examples of how far you can fall, they show everyone the challenging life experiences impact everyone. Even those of us who have reached the top of our competitive industries.
3: The issue in media today, traditional media and social media, we are so quick to look for simple answers, simple explanations. We want everything wrapped in a bow. But this topic is messy. The nuances need to be explained.
2: Yeah,
4: it needs real, long-form conversation like this. I'm just thrilled that we can be real with people and address the current events happening in this space in real time and set the record straight. More talk happening doesn't mean it's helping the conversation move forward. The words we use matter. We have the
2: greatest mental health awareness in the history of our planet, and yet the mental health trends and outcomes are awful. It means the current messages aren't
3: working. Find me a person who hasn't faced trauma in their lives. Anyone. You can. Things have affected all of us. It's why we all say we are all a little crazy in our own unique ways.
2: This topic isn't for one in five of us with mental illness. It's for five in five whose mental health has been impacted. This isn't an athlete issue. It's not a musician issue. It's a societal one. This is the greatest epidemic of our time.
4: No, it's not about stopping any stigma. It's about us all saying same here. Our openness and the commonality and our struggles, that's what erodes stigma better and faster than any campaign telling people to stop anything ever will.
3: Available on all podcast apps. Do us a favor and download each episode before you listen. And if you're an Apple user, please rate and review the podcast as it helps us get these important conversations out to reach a larger audience.